Welcome in, everybody. Welcome back to the First in Orange podcast. Denver Post reporters Parker Gabriel here, Ryan McFadden there. Ryan, it's uh, it's week one already. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to say that. Like the summer felt long, but at the same time, it went by really quick. Yeah, it's like one of those things where you're like, it feels like training camp is 17 years old. Uh, and also, it's like, how are we already at this point where? Uh, the Broncos are taking on the Raiders on Sunday, uh, 2.25 p.m. local time here in Denver at Empower Field. We'll get into the matchup, uh, obviously, and what it means just for the Broncos' first game that counts in the Sean Payton era, all of that. But, Ryan, let's start just right off the bat here um, with the roster, obviously solidified uh, last Tuesday, a week ago, right about now. And I say this with a little bit of a caveat that we have – sort of like a work week left uh, for the Broncos this week. But so far for all of the, you know, talking about how how in flux the first 53 can be as of Tuesday night as we're recording this, it's actually been pretty stable for the Broncos since they, they finalized their 53-man roster a week ago. So let's just start there. Um, when you look at this roster, like what what jumps out to you and and – you know, what are you sort of looking for roster-wise as we get into the regular season here? I think uh, one thing that kind of jumps out to me with the, with the roster is, like, you can tell, like, so the Broncos really want to see what guys like Brandon Johnson, rookie Marvin Mims, and those guys they have on the receiving court can do. I think one of the things when Jerry Judy went down, I think immediately think, my immediate reaction was, oh, what? Could that be a position they might go out and add another guy? 100%. But it seems like it seems like they are confident in the talent of Marvin Mims. They're confident in the talent of Brandon Johnson, and maybe at the same time they're confident in Jerry's Judy's recovery as well. I, I, I still, even though like when Judy gets back, I still feel like the wide receiver position is something to monitor, um, monitor, uh, monitor around as we progress through the season. Because it could be a situation where let's say someone does like a Brandon Johnson that's the expectation. And at the same time, they want to win. So could that be a position they might go in a trade market and trying to find someone or maybe another free agent might come about, um, let's say, around, like around like late October, earlier November. So that's like a one position I, I want I want to see. Um, and then obviously you look at the defensive line. You I think that's another position, like we said, going into it, that was kind of like a depth concern, but it seems like. They're confident in guys like like Elijah Garcia to help and provide that depth they're looking for at that position. Yeah, it's funny that I mean you you nailed it I think because the two positions that really jump out to me are are exactly those two because I think when we started training camp you know they, I think they had thirteen receivers at one point on the ninety man roster and when you looked at the defensive line you thought okay Zach Allen DJ Jones. Uh, Matt Henningsen probably is going to make the roster as a guy who was here last year. And then, you know, uh, any Iwasarike got suspended right when camp started. Purcell's coming back from the knee injury. You didn't really know what you had in Elijah Garcia. Obviously, he's, you know, prototype size-wise, but hadn't really shown it. You had all these depth questions on the one hand, and you had all these receivers on the other hand. And yet we get to cutdown day, and they're one of only three teams in the NFL that kept just four receivers. Um, and they've got six defensive linemen playing, I mean, what's essentially going to be a three, four. So those, those numbers I thought were, were really interesting. And the receiver thing, you can just take so much out of that. Um, and, and 
you know, I don't think we know exactly what the right assumption is there, but there's one thing we do know, which is even if Jerry Judy, you know, I think it's a stretch for him to play this weekend. What Sean Payton will not say anything about his status over the course of the week. We'll ask, he'll get mad, and that'll sort of be the way it goes all season probably. Um, but they have to put a, a report out. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would think that, you know, I mean, maybe they'll rule him out. Maybe he'll be questionable up until Sunday. Um, he hasn't practiced since he he injured his hamstring two weeks ago. So something to monitor there. But with the other three guys that are healthy, like the thing that we know essentially beyond a shadow of a doubt is if they sustain another injury, whether it's, you know, this week in practice or or in a game against the Raiders, they've got to do something, whether it's just sign Philip Dorsett to the active roster or little Jordan Humphrey, both those guys are on the practice squad or find somebody who's on the waiver wire, you know, at the end of the day, like th- it won't really matter where they find a guy, but they just, they don't have a lot of uh, margin in terms of bodies in that room after they started with so many guys, you know, uh, and a couple of them got hurt and then a bunch of them just got waived you know Montreal Washington just didn't make the team Marquez Callaway didn't make the team um a couple guys got hurt obviously so yeah that's all pretty interesting and then just in general right now you know the way that they're going to use the practice squad all year will be something to watch and that's maybe a little bit in the weeds but you can call two guys up per week and then you know might both be receivers this weekend depending on Jerry Judy's status uh and then from there you're basically just working through who can help on special teams? Where do you maybe have an injury on the roster? But they've got 23 offensive players and 27 defensive players on their on their active 53. So you'd imagine that the practice squad call-up guys, you know, week to week at this point, likely would be offensive guys. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I think you're going to see, I feel like when it comes to those call-ups, I think it's going to be a lot with the receivers, whether you might see Philip uh, Philip Dorsett one week, Bill Jordan Humphrey another week. Uh, I think – I think that's I feel like the wide receiver room is going to be a constant change. Also, at the same time, I feel like their decisions of what they've done and the roster moves with that wide receiver room in particular makes me makes me kind of assume that Greg Dulcich is going to have a really big role in the passing game. I know he's listed as uh, Adam Trotman was listed as as the number one tight end. But as Sean Payton has told us that. He, he's not the type of guy that looks too deep in those in those unofficial depth charts. But I feel like the way they the way they uh, structured their wide receiver room, I feel I just feel like Greg Dulcich is really going to have a big role in terms of in, in his pass cut as a pass catcher. So I'm looking forward to see how they utilize him as uh, how many how many like receptions there how many targets he's going to get how many receptions he's going to get in the game. Especially with like Judy sideline for mostly it looks like it's going to be be this this week. Yep. But obviously, we don't know what's going to be like afterwards. Um, but yeah, that's it. That was like one position group that like kind of caught my eye because like you, you, I, you thought they would keep a little bit, like maybe a little bit more. Uh, I, based on you know what Judy's situation is, but then at the same time, you got to realize they do have Dulcich, so that could kind of balance things out as well. Yeah, no doubt. And Sean Payton obviously has a long history of using multiple running backs and figuring out a way to get multiple guys involved there. And so one thing. Like one of the things that we don't know for sure, I mean, I think I would have told you even a month ago or four months ago that early in the season, you would think that there would be a pretty solid carry share between Javante Williams and Samaje Pirine. Um, just, you know, and, and Joe Lombardi said as much a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about getting Javante Williams up to speed, maybe he'll have 
you know, a full load. He was like, I don't quite know what full load means, but you know, you, you monitor the carries maybe early in the season for Javante as he keeps coming back from that knee injury. Smudge appearance. P Ryan has had a really nice camp. Um, but the the wild card in that is Jaleel McLaughlin, who's been just the the sort of the story of camp. Mike McGlinchey the other day called him the star of camp. And so when you're talking about an undrafted rookie running back, the thing that you don't really know about about that situation is is what does Sean Payton have in mind for him? Is it is it spell work and a couple of targets here and and kick return duties, or is it more substantial than that? And at every turn. He's been a little bit further ahead than I think anyone has expected. And so uh, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he had a somewhat substantial role in the game plan for for Sunday. At the same time, he's a rookie and he's got to be able to handle all of it and all that. And he's passed every test to this point, but you just don't quite know what his role is going to be. But but in any event, all three of those running backs can be guys that catch a ball out of the backfield. Like you said, you've got Greg Dulcich and Adam Troutman. There's just going to be a lot of the passing game, obviously, um, maybe a heavier than normal percentage of the passing game is going to be elsewhere besides the wide receiver group, at least early in the year. Oh, yeah, I, 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 you nailed it right there. I think so, too. Just look at look at just look at the running backs room, the type of talent they got there. All those guys have that pass catching ability. You saw on this, in the second preseason game against the 49ers, I felt like all were like, the majority of Javante Williams snaps during that were like him trying to uh, catch the ball and doing those first few snaps. So you can tell that's what Payton wants to do with his his running backs in that offense. And they all have the skill set to do it. I think one thing to keep in mind in terms of Jaleel McLaughlin's um, uh, snap count and playing time, I think kind of also depends on what they expect Javante Williams to do on Sunday. Because I know, like, Sean Payne did mention, like, he's one of those guys he feel like will have, like, a pitch count. We don't know what that pitch count would look like. And I don't know if that's something he would probably share between uh, tomorrow. Probably and not Friday. saying, like, oh, yeah, Ryan, <laughs> let me let me lay this out for you. I think I'm going to get him in on third downs. We have a great screen package for him. And I also, I'm, I'm hoping, like, maybe, um, you know, eight to 12 touches. So, so he's not gonna he's not gonna get that much into detail and probably get mad at someone they ask. But I feel like, uh, given the fact that we are expecting Javante Williams to have a pitch count, I felt there will be situation where Jaleel is gonna get some get some reps. And I'm looking forward to seeing that running back room because if Javante Williams can get up to speed, uh, and obviously we've seen what Shamazi P. Ryan's done. I thought he looked like you said had a really solid camp. They look really solid in preseason. I think like he is a very strong guy. And there was times that during that Cardinals game in particular where I felt like they had a hard time just bringing him down. Yeah. Um, and then they could also use him in, in, in pass blocking situations. So I feel like everyone, similar to like what um similar to what Peyton said and about the tight ends room, I feel like the running back room also has like, even though they have like similar skill sets in terms of the pass catching part, but I feel like they all have a role that they can like impact the team in a certain way. Yeah. I can't wait to see how um, Lombardi and Sean Payton utilize them throughout the year. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. So that's a good transition just into week one. Obviously, um, there's so much intrigue in in the Broncos being that it's the first game of, of Sean Payton's tenure here. Um, it's a rivalry against a team that hasn't won a lot in recent years, but has dominated Denver. Um, the last time the Broncos beat the Raiders, they were the Oakland Raiders. Um, six straight going back to, to December of 2019, um, the last regular season game 
that the Raiders were, you know, the Oakland Raiders was the last time Denver notched a win in this series. So there's all of that. And then there's just the simple fact that like, you know, it's a chance to get off on the right foot. And, and this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, Ryan. So I apologize already, but there's been so like one of the things that Sean Payton has talked a lot about since he's got here has been that 2006 year in new Orleans, his first year there. And he keeps drawing, you know, references from it, I think, because there's just nothing quite like a year one. Um, Denver's had a lot of them. This is their third in five years um, with new coaches. But Sean Payton hasn't had one since 2006. And one of the things about that team was there was a lot of doubt about what their overall talent was. They were going to rely on a bunch of young players. They had drafted Reggie Bush in the first round. They ended up with a bunch of really good players out of that draft. Um, Roman Harper was in the second round. Uh, they got Jari Evans and Zach Streif and Marcus Colston. And oh, by the way, it was also Drew Brees' first year in New Orleans, first year with Sean Payton, all this new stuff. And during the preseason, Payton told people, including the general manager, Mickey Loomis, that he didn't think they were going to win any games, that they were just bad. He was really down on them. And they figured out a way. They started five and one, I think. Um, they won their first couple games. And the whole thing, he he probably, I mean, I'm sure he would have had success anyways as a butterfly effect type of thing. But he gives a lot of credit to the fact that a couple of early wins gave that team confidence in what they were doing and what he was selling to them. And that really set the stage. They went to the NFC championship game. So I'm not saying Denver's going to the or to the AFC championship game this year, but I do think in terms of like all the new that a couple of wins early in the year against Las Vegas and Washington at home, which anywhere else on the schedule, you would look at those games and say like, those are games you got to win if you want to make the playoffs um, could be really important and vice versa. If you don't figure out a way to win those two games, the schedule gets brutal after that. Yeah, I feel like this this Raider game is, to me, I think is important uh, for like three reasons because you can set the tone for the Sean Champagne can set the tone for uh, his his era of for his era here in Denver. Russell Wilson can, has a chance to say, "Hey, I'm back." Last year, which is a fluke, I'm about to show you like this is. This is I'm back to who I am and who I was, and then like you said, look at you look at the schedule. You got Las Vegas week one. I feel like that's a winnable game. They're not. I don't think they're. They have some pieces there. You got Max Cross. You got Josh Jacobs. You got Devontae Adams. But overall, that's a team for a lot of question marks. And I don't think they're going to be that good. Jimmy Jimmy G is a solid quarterback, but you he's a, at the same time. It's like you have a really good game. They have a really average game. You have to, you have also the health issues there. So I feel like that's a winnable game. Obviously, the Commanders is another winnable game. I, I, I've always said like you don't don't sleep on them because they're a very good defensive team. I thought Sam Howell was very sharp during preseason. Uh, obviously, Terry McLaurin uh, and like he he's dealing with some injury problems right now. But with, with him and Jaha Dawson out there, I think that that's a solid that's a solid uh, wide receivers. Two guys in the pack, two solid wide receivers. Then you have the Miami the, you have the Miami game. You have Chicago, and then you got probably, <clears throat> excuse me, probably perhaps the biggest game on on the schedule of the season is against the New York Jets. So I feel like the goal, I think the goal is to get off the right foot. This game is, to me, as the, I feel like this week, even though it's week one, it's early, I feel like this is a must-win game in turn setting set in the tone for Sean Payne to set the tone of what he's trying to do here in Denver. 
Also, too, when you look <clears throat> when you look at the schedule, the goal I feel like the goal is going to that New York Jets Jets game is to be either at five hundred or above five hundred. You you would like them for to be like three on one, which in like in reality they can all they can very well go into that Jets game three on one. And I feel like if you do that, then it's like the expect the way people will view the Broncos is a lot different. So yeah. that's why I feel like these first two games are very important in terms of setting that tone. You kind of like, you really want to be able to go into that game against, because after, after Chicago, you got New York, you got Kansas city, you got Kansas city, Green Bay, Kansas city again. Then you have the bye week. And then after the bye week, you're playing, you're playing Buffalo on Monday night football. So I feel like at taking care of business, these first, four, the first four weeks of the season is huge. And it starts with, with the Las Vegas Raiders. That stretch where, when they go starting with the jets, they play, four games and in or five games and in four of them the quarterbacks they face are Rodgers, Mahomes twice and then Josh Allen like <laughs> just like you know uh, I listen like it's Jimmy Garoppolo is a, a pretty good quarterback he can clearly um you know run an offense efficiently uh Tua has ha- you know obviously put up big numbers last year and and is coming into a big year like you said Sam Howell has played well at times as a, as a young guy in the league Justin Fields is electric but like the first four quarterbacks they face are not like the quarterbacks they face over the middle stretch of the season so you've got to you've got to find a way to get off uh on a good foot obviously you know quarterback plays always going to matter but when when Broncos fans think about the Raiders, the quarterback's not normally the first place their mind goes. So I think I know sort of the keys of the game we'll get into here, Ryan. But if I was to say to you, hey, Denver's winning this game if they take care of X, what is that thing? You gotta you have to contain Josh Jacobs. Yeah. I think that's the key right there. I think that's one of the biggest keys is you have to contain him. When you look when you look back at his numbers, like seven career games against uh, the Broncos, 721 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns. He That's rushed for over. He rushed for over 100 yards in each of the two games last year. And this guy is one of the talented guys, one of the talented uh, running backs in the league. Sean Payton said that. Every, if you ask players in the locker room, they have said the same thing. He has dominated. He has dominated the, the Broncos throughout his career. I think if you could contain him, I think that's a key right there. And also, too, I think this would be a test for the offensive line. Yep. I think yep. you got to – because they're going against uh, Max Crosby, who's one of the more electric uh, edge rushers in, in the league. And even and he's also – when you look at his numbers, he's also dominated the Broncos throughout his career, too. You're talking about eight games, 36 total tackles, and 11 and a half sacks. So it's like right there, it's like when you look at the key, key games, it's like the offensive line got to win their battle. And I feel like the, on defense, they got to contain Josh Hick. I think those are two things right there. And then I feel like the rest can take care of itself. You're talking about a, a Raider secondary who does not have a lot of talent. I know they added uh, I know they added Marcus Peters, but we're not talking about all pro Marcus Peters. Right. Last year, his final year with the Baltimore Ravens, I thought he was like he was pretty inconsistent. So there were sometimes he looked good. There's sometimes he just he looked like a guy that's been, you know, bow, bowing the injury bug for the last couple of couple of years. So they, I feel like they can give Russell Wilson a clean pocket and and let him go to work. I think that would be a key. So I think when you look at the keys to those games, I think those are two things that stand out to me. The Josh Jacobs and pro- provide protection up front. 
Yeah, it's funny. So like the the NFL would not have like the running backs in the NFL would not have the problem that they have if Josh Jacobs just like got to play against the Broncos. Because <laughs> you just pay and it'd be like this guy, you you know, he takes over every time he plays against Denver. It's amazing because I, I think almost like if you ask, I think we'll hear it this week as we're over there. And 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 that's exactly where my mind went to those two those two matchups, which is incredible because the the Raiders have maybe the best wide receiver on the planet in Devontae Adams, right? And the Broncos have maybe the best corner on the planet in Pat Sertan. And so you've got this matchup of like two of the two of the guys who who literally might be uh you know the best at what they do. Um and they'll face each other sometimes. And and one thing that'll be interesting is you know last time uh, the, the first matchup they didn't you know, they play Devante, the, like Josh McDaniels will put Devante in the slot sometimes, get, you know, move him around, get him away from Pat. And it was interesting to watch uh, Ejiro Averro, the defensive coordinator last year, kind of try to play that game. When are you going to match with Pat? When are you not? So one thing that will be fascinating to watch right from the jump is how much does Vance Joseph in his first game back as a defensive coordinator, like how does he want to deploy Pat Sertan um, to try to help slow down uh, Devante Adams? And then, you know, last year, uh, Devontae ran – I mean, he ran one of the best routes you'll ever see a receiver run to win the game in overtime. Um, they'd been running this big over route the whole game, and he just sold the hell out of it and ran it hard, stopped in his tracks and went back to the pylon. And and you don't see Pat get, you know, left in the dust very often. But, uh, he, you know, Devontae did it to him, and and, and it was a walk-off touchdown. So that that matchup is one that's a – it's a budding – like it's about as good on good as you can get. Um, and that's going to be really fun to watch the times when they're, they're lined up against each other. But I, I tend to agree with you, Ryan. I mean, I think like, you know, Sean Payton wants to, he's built his best teams in new Orleans from the line of scrimmage out. And so if they can slow down Max Crosby and if they can slow down Josh Jacobs, two tasks that have been beyond the Broncos capabilities the last couple of years, um, if they can turn the tables in, in those matchups, they're going to have a great chance to, you know, to get to one and oh and and uh, and have a win under their belts. Oh, yeah. And also, too, this is a test for like like Sean Payne said, this is a revamp offensive line. Yeah. Like he called it like an extreme makeover home edition, what they did to the offensive line. Added Mike Nicolinci, added then Paris getting Garrett Bowles back. So I feel like this is their big test right here. This is like, it's like a, it's a, we, even though, like, like I said, we're not, this is a, the Raiders are not a team like, you're you're expecting to go to the playoffs or you're making it like a Super Bowl run. They're they're not that team, but they I feel like they have players that are, they can test um, certain weaknesses the Broncos had, and I feel like Mac, Max Crosby is that guy who can test who's going to test that offensive line, and it's kind of it's going to give us an idea. I, I, I know it's the first game, and there's a, many more games after that, but this is a good test for this offensive line that that was basically the emphasis. Um, throughout the offseason was that group. So if they can take care of business with him, you know, give Russell Wilson time in the pocket to, to you know, make plays, create create gaps for, like, Javante Williams, Tamazi P. Ron to, to exploit, I feel like then it's like, okay, you're off to the right foot. So yeah. I think that's that, that's the key. And then obviously, like you said, I feel like this, this is like Sean Payton. I feel like this is the year where it's like, could this be the year where, like, now you have Sean Payton at the helm and all this – all this stuff around him. Could this be the year they can like break certain curse, certain streaks? So like, 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 like we talked about losing six straight games to the Raiders. Then could 
then the next step is could they finally you know knock off the Chiefs? So I feel like this is a I feel like this is a really big game to like not only see what a Sean Payton offense will look like in Denver because yeah. obviously he said he did say that oh I'm bringing a lot of stuff from New Orleans, but to see that with the personnel and the guys he have here, I'm looking forward to seeing. And also, and also too, it's like like we just hit up before. It's like you got to take care of these four, these four, uh, these first four games for the Jets. Like that's huge. You don't want to go in there one and three. Yeah. Um, and you know, and you're playing against a team like the Jets team who has a lot. You know, a lot of a lot of frustration. I'll say, I guess a lot of frustration towards Sean Payton. So yeah. I th- think you want to go in there with like the right foot. And also, too, it makes that game a little bit more appetizing. But first, yeah, I take care of week one. I feel like this is a winnable game for the Broncos. And I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. I think it's going to be closer. It's go- I think it's going to be a close game. But I think the Broncos can, can pull it off. There you go. Well, yeah, I'll get, I'll get I'm going to put you on the spot and get your score in a minute. Uh, I, I think one of the things that – among all the things that are interesting to watch in, in week ones, it will be telling because we've seen – preseason games and 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 we've seen practice and all that but like this is the time where you know Sean Payton is is putting the game plan together for keeps right like it it counts now and so like he can't hide any longer he can't obfuscate any longer what he thinks this team is and and I actually think he's been somewhat transparent about it over the course of camp I mean they want to run the football they want to be physical they, he doesn't want to have to put it in the air all the time. He might get in that mode every now and again, like a lot of coaches in the NFL do, but like they want it to, to be, you know, on the ground. They want to run and play action and boot and get Russell Wilson out of the pocket and all of that. And it's the first real test of whether they can successfully do that. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's here. Finally, almost, we got a couple days left. I was talking to Garrett Bowles in the locker room, uh, the left tackle, obviously on Monday, I asked him about what you were saying, kind of chemistry on the offensive line, where he thinks they're at. And he was like, I, look, man, I think you got to ask me that question in a couple of weeks. Like, I think we're in a good spot, but you don't know uh, until you go out there and play against somebody else. So that will be here sooner rather than later, Ryan. Uh, we end this podcast with a score prediction. I know it's early in the week. Um, so, you know, if the number is a little different by the time you make your prediction in the paper this weekend, um, you know, I won't totally flame you on social media, but at this point, uh, what do you got final score? I think I'm looking at, I'm looking at 24, 20 Broncos get the, get the dub. I'm I right. think it's going to be a close. Yeah. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than maybe some might expect. I think we're going to see, we're going to see a little bit. We're going to see, we are going to see a Bron. I think at the, from the beginning, we're going to see a Broncos team that has, a bunch of guys that are coming back from injury last year and uh, and working with a new coach. I think we're going to see we're going to see those growing pains. I feel like that's obvious when you have a new coach, a bunch of guys coming back from injury, coming back from injury. You have a lot of I, I feel like you have a lot of uh, younger guys who are probably going to play a lot of key key roles on both sides of the ball as well. So I feel like you're going to see those growing pains early on, but I do feel like they're going to settle down. I feel like Russ is going to make some plays down the stretch, and I feel like that defense is going to come through. Is going to come through, but I got the I got a twenty four twenty Broncos victory. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right about in a, I'm I'm right in a similar way. I'm going to pick the Broncos as well. Given everything I've watched the last twelve months, that I don't know why, but I guess it's just a gut feeling. Uh, I'm going to say twenty three twenty one, and maybe even a late clutch 
kick attempt for Will Lutz, the new kicker who Sean Payton traded with New Orleans for to get back a guy he knows and trusts uh, the heir apparent to Brandon McManus after an off season of turmoil at the, at the kicking position for the Broncos. So yeah, if you're, if you got 23 points, your kicker's probably involved uh, heavily in some way, shape or form. Um, I think, yeah, relatively low scoring, um, ugly, probably at times, and maybe some flashes of what, you know, Sean Payton thinks this, this offense can be. So both of us uh, picking the Broncos, we'll, uh, we'll see how that, goes on Sunday. In the meantime, uh, keep an eye on denverpost.com slash Broncos. We're going to be trying out um, some some new video stuff over the course of the week. We've got a ton of content, obviously, in the good old-fashioned print newspaper. If you can, find the special section ran on Sunday last week. You can find it online, too, a lot of the stuff that was in it. A ton of good work from a whole bunch of people here at the Denver Post, 60 pages worth in last Sunday's paper. So uh, football season's here, Ryan. It's week one. Away we go. Ryan McFadden, I'm Parker Gabriel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, Thanks for subscribing to the Denver Post. Keep reading, and uh, we will see you guys down the way.